Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. Welcome to another episode of the Deepwater Podcast. Today I want to talk about something that's been on my heart for a number of years. You know, when we would come back from the state, uh, overseas in the States, we would talk to all sorts of various churches, and so we've been in a bunch of different churches, Not certainly not all over the country and certainly not all denominations, but we've been in quite a few. And one of the things that I've observed is that in many, many ways, we're not teaching the Bible very good. And that's the title of today's episode, is Are We Teaching the Bible or Are We Teaching about the Bible, or even worse, are we te- teaching a Christian cultural norm that's full of cliches, that's very shallow? Now, I know there's a lot of churches out there that would stand up and argue and pound their fists down and say, we are absolutely t- teaching the Bible. And sometimes we would say, I'm teaching the Bible better than everyone else in town, which is probably a misnomer. But I want to submit a couple of ideas to you. One, it's not what we put out, but what's received that determines how well we're teaching the Bible. It doesn't matter if you are the perfect teacher and you have a perfect understanding of the Scripture, which, of course, nobody does. If you're teaching it, everything's accurate, everything's correct, but the people don't receive it in a way that changes their lives through obedience, then it is not being taught. One of the most interesting charts I've ever seen is in a book called Truth That Sticks, How to Communicate Velcro Truth in a Teflon World by Avery Willis and Mark Snowden. Great book, page 178. They're referencing this chart. They have this triangle, equilateral triangle, for those of you geometry people. And it's talking about how people learn or what percent of things do people learn when they're taught. This study was done by the National Training Laboratories in Bethel, Maine. It says, reports from results of research projects on a variety of learning methods where knowledge was best retained. And so then they have it at the very top, it's lecture, and then reading, and then audiovisual, and then demonstration, and then a discussion group, and then learning by doing, and finally at the bottom, teaching one-to-one. And there's a retention rate that goes along with that. At the top, if you teach in a lecture method, the average retention rate is 5%. If someone's reading, they're learning it through reading, the average retention is 10%. If it's a combination of audio and visual, 20%. If it's demonstration, 30%. If you have a discussion group about it, it goes up to 50%. If you're learning by doing on-the-job training, hands-on training, it's 75%. And if you teach one-on-one, the retention rate goes up to 90%. Now that's pretty interesting and pretty convicting. Now, one thing that I noticed when I first looked at that the first time is like, why do we spend so much of our time teaching in the in the church, teaching in the lecture method, which has the lowest retention rate? Now, I understand that if you're in the middle of a huge auditorium and you have a lot of people, even 50 to 100, that's the method that you can have. You can do a lecture. You can put some visuals up on the PowerPoint, but that's what you have. That's about the only way to communicate to a group that size. I think there is a place for preaching. But I have to question whether we're really teaching the Bible in an effective way in that format. Versus, if you go down to where you have a group discussion, the retention rate was much higher. In fact, in a discussion group, the retention rate was 50%, which still doesn't sound great, but it's way better than 5 or 
If you add some learning by doing and a little one-on-one in there, you get down to 75 or 90%, which makes me realize or think, man, we have to be teaching in a much better method than in a lecture method. Now, if you're at the pulpit, I think that's what you have is lecture, and you can look at ways to improve that. If you have some great ideas, I'd love to hear about them. If you're in a Sunday school, though, or a small group setting, a lecture is the 99% of the time, I hate to say anything absolute, 99% of the time is the wrong method to teach in. It's not a matter of you conveying all the knowledge that's in your brain, trying to get it all into their brain. That doesn't work. What we need to do is have a discussion and teach in such a way that the people have to learn to dig into the Bible themselves and that they have to learn to hear from the Bible, to hear from God's voice in the Bible and apply that to their lives. Now, there's a number of good methods for this, and they all seem to have a few things in common. This is not 100%. It's not an exhaustive list, and there's not, there's, it's not that there are not some exceptions to this. But let's say this. First of all, all good studies are Bible-based. Now, most of us would say, like, oh, everything's Bible-based. I'm talking about, like, no, we open our Bible and we study out of our Bible. I'm not talking we open our Sunday school lesson or we open another book to study about the Bible. If we're in our church, this is another discussion, but if we're in our church and we have people who have been in our church for 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, 50 years, and they cannot open a Bible and lead a Bible study, maybe not even teach it, but lead a Bible study, then we have failed also in our training of how to teach a Bible study. We don't need a book to teach us. Yes, I've learned some books. Yes, there have been some good ones. But the best book, the only book that's the inspired Word of God, is the Bible. And the only person or group of people that really know what's going on in that room or know the lives of the people that are in that room is the teacher or the other people in the rooms. And so when we get a book that's written somewhere in another state, and this guy may have some ideas and he may have some good questions to ask about it and he may throw some other things out there that are useful, but he's not going to apply it like somebody that really knows the knows the Bible and knows their people and knows how to ask questions and bring out discussion. And I'm not saying books are the worst thing in the world, but I'd much rather us open the Bible and study it. In fact, sometimes we'll go to a church and go to the Sunday school class and they'll be like, uh, today we're studying 2 Corinthians 4 or whatever it is. And we'll open our Bible, and they're like, oh, let us get you a Sunday school book. And I'm like, no, no, I have a Bible. Like, if we're studying 2 Corinthians 4, I have, I have the Bible here. And you can ask me questions, and I can look in my Bible, and I can, get, I can get the answers out of that. I don't have to have this book that's going to tell me points about it, because I have the Bible. Can a good teacher use a book and still teach the Bible? Yes. I'd still much rather him see him teaching right out of the Bible. Secondary, every good Bible study that I know uses questions. It's not a bunch of talking. It's not a lecture method. It uses questions. It asks questions. The better quality of the question, the better quality of your Bible study. That can be difficult in a couple of fashions. One, if the group is not used to being asked questions, it's kind of awkward and it takes them a little while to get used to that. Two, if you're not used to asking questions. The worst people in the world are people like myself who have been vocational ministers in some sort of manner. We always have this feeling that we have to tell everybody everything we know. But the better answer is to use a question, and a question such as, can anyone else think of another passage that might shed some lights on this? Or what do you think about that? And throwing it back to them and guiding them through questions until they come up with the right answer. Because when they grab that answer themselves and they realize the truth for themselves, they learn it much more firmly 
enough I tell them. And that's why the difference in, in the retention rates of lecture versus question and answer. So the second is it use questions. Third is it always comes down to a question of obedience. Somewhere at the end, the question is, what are you going to do with this? If you believe the Bible is true, how are you going to change your life based on this? Since you believe the Bible is true, what are you going to change in your life to obey this? Now, the way of saying this is if, you, if Jesus was sitting across the table from you, what would he tell you from this passage in your life? Somewhere we have to obey. Jesus said in John 14, 21, he, has my, he who has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. We have to obey Jesus' commands. And if we're teaching in a way in which we have transferred knowledge, or maybe transferred knowledge, but we haven't got to a point of obedience, we've still failed to really teach the Bible. Another option you see a lot of them have is the share option. Who do you know, like based on what God has shown you out of the Word today, who do you know that needs to hear something about this? Either hear this story or hear what you've learned. And it has a, a out, an outward focus on it. It's not just for me, but this is for somebody else. And then lastly, it's replicable. It has to be simple enough that you don't have to go to seminary in order to lead a Bible study. Now, there are some, some amazing teachers out there, and there are some people that can teach some amazing and in-depth studies of the Word, and there is a time and a place for those, and I like those from time to time. But what I like better is something that's replicable, that someone can learn this and pass it on to their friends, that they can learn it, apply it to their life, and help someone else learn it and apply it to their life. And I had a fellow a long time ago that gave me a little bit of training, and he was just a great man of God and had a tremendous move of God. And what he would do, he would take those trainings, those in-depth where like it's a three-day study just on the book of James and like bring in a guy that was like a really great trainer. But those were safe for the people that were obeying and were leading other people. He would go and give them some extra in-depth teaching. But then they are to go back and share what they know and share it in a replicable way. Now, there's some good examples of this, and I will see if I can find links or resources to these, or maybe I'll do an individual podcast on them later. But there's a cross-Bible study by a guy named Jim Millard. Maybe I'll see if I can get him on the podcast. He was kind of one of the first guys that first started speaking some discipleship into my life, and I appreciate it. And the cross-Bible study is one of the Bible studies I most enjoy today. There's another method. Uh, called It's called using a HEAR journal by Robbie Galanti. Uh, John Allison and his podcast talks some about it. You can go to replicate.org, and they can tell you more about it there. There's also something called the Discovery Bible Study that's really great for both believers and non-believers. And I will either have somebody on it, or I will post a copy of it. And then there's a storytelling method of Bible study that's a really good one, and that's the book Truth That Sticks, How to Communicate Velcro Truth in a Teflon World. It's talking a lot about using oral Bible studies or using Oral stories, telling the stories of the Bible and helping people learn learn those stories in a life-changing manner. Those are all these really great things. You don't have to do all of them. You just need to have one that you use and that you can use effectively. And as you grow as a disciple maker, you need to put two or three in your belt so that as you're discipling somebody, you can figure out which is some of the best methods for them so that you can help them begin to study the Bible in a way that changes their life. Now, when you think about questions, there's always some basic questions that apply to any passage of the Bible. And I've said this before, and I've even demonstrated it once uh, with a group of people we were training. We just said, let's pick any passage of the Bible. So we picked a minor prophet, somewhere no one knew. And we studied the Bible together with no preparation, and we all got something out of it. Now, would it have been as good if we had 
you know, had some prepper preparation time to study it, yeah, it would have been better. But it was still good just with good questions. Now, some of the questions that you can ask about any Bible study, or sorry, about any passage of the Bible, is like, what does this teach us about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit? What does this teach us about man, about humanity, about me? Is there anything new that you've seen in this passage? Do you have any questions about things in this passage? There's another Bible uh, study method called the SPECA method, S-P-E-C-K-A, and it stands for sin, promise, example, command, knowledge, application. Is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to claim? Is there an example to follow? Is there a command to obey? Is there just some knowledge I need to know? What's the application of this in my life? So all of those are good basic questions, and you can have those. And then you can also get specific questions, specifically about this study, based on your own study of the Scripture ahead of time. And then lastly, at the end of each one of these, you should have a couple questions. One question is, how do I need to obey this? Since this is the Word of God breathed by the very Creator of the universe, what do I need to change in my life? Or what do I need to allow God to change in my life in order to put me in alignment with this scripture? And then lastly, who else needs to hear about this? I know sometimes that's difficult for us that have been in the church a long time. But if you're pretty new to the faith and you still have a lot of unbelieving friends, it's easier. And for us that have been in church a long time, I think we have to make a very deliberate, intentional effort to make sure that we're maintaining friendships with people who don't believe in Jesus. Not in a... So I can knock on your door and tell you about Jesus. But we're friends, and we value one another. And I have some freedom to speak into your life because you know what's going on. I know what's going on in your life. And you also have some freedom to speak into my life. Even though it may not be from a Christian perspective, we have a friendship. And part of friendships is a mutual speaking into one one another's lives. So those are some awesome things that I think will help us learn to teach the Bible better. And to actually teach the Bible, not teach about the Bible. It's a subtle difference, but it is a difference. And I know sometimes it's real tempting to want to know like all the historical and the cultural things. And there's some passages that that certainly sheds light and it's nice to know. But in the end, we have to remember that God didn't think it was important. If he did, he would have put it in the Bible. And a lot of times I want to go back to the idea that if we translate the Bible and we take it to this this people group that have never, don't have any historical context of the Bible, of Christianity, of following Jesus. Is the Bible sufficient? Is that Bible enough? Well, yeah, it's enough. And while the culture and the historical context may be interesting, it's not required. If it was, God would have put it in there. Or the historical and cultural requirements are already in the Bible. Yes, there are some things that need to be explained. Yes, people need to walk through there. But you can go through just with the Bible. And you can get a lot farther. And I believe when we study just the Bible with somebody else, and we're looking to apply our lives to that, we'll see people grow much faster than we will really in any other method. So that's my challenge for you today. Let me know if you have questions or if you want to push back on this a little bit. Let me know as well. You can reach us at podcast at book5.com. And until next time, keep making disciples. And most of all, do that with the Bible. Love you guys, and we'll see you next time. Yes, the irony is not lost on me. 
We do have a podcast that acts a little bit like a lecture format or at least a dialogue format. And the question is, is how can we use this to spur people on towards better disciple making? Is there a way we could create more of a community? Or is there a way we could have more interaction? Those would be good things to figure out. Anyway, in the meantime, we're going to keep plugging away with it. And we hope it is an encouragement to you to make disciples. And by all means, do reach out. Let's make this better.